0: This is Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hit.
1: Browns are going to win! field,
0: touchdown! With Dan Kadar and Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. With Steve Dorschuk from the Canton Repository. It's
1: intercepted! Picked by Dixon Ward! Chubb will take this off. Browns fans,
0: now, Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns.
1: everybody, welcome back to Cover 2, this is Dan Kadar, joined by Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich. Nate, how are you?
0: Doing well, Dan, how's it going?
1: Uh, Very, very good. Uh, Today's episode, if if you missed the recap after the game that's up on the site now, beaconjournal.com slash sports and anywhere you get your podcasts at. Nate and George kind of broke down what happened in the Browns-Jaguars preseason week one game. So if you're looking for any kind of game recap, those guys did that there. Um, It's good stuff. So we're not really going to dwell too much on what happened in the Jaguars game. We're going to kind of move things forward on this uh, edition of cover two. So, Nate, let's just kind of get started with what I think is the – the, the, the biggest takeaway from the game, and then going forward, the development on the roster, and that, that to me is Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa. I, I know the Jaguars are terrible, and by the time he got in the game, it was more backups for the Jaguars playing at that point. But he really stood out. Um, what, what is the feeling now on JOK? Is he a guy that can really take a starter job? Is he, is he still catching up after being out for a little bit there? Where are we at with kind of the JOK status report?
0: I think he's all of the above. I think he can really make a run at that starting weak side linebacker job, and I think he's still catching up. I think I think both things can be true, and I think both things are true. You know, it's funny, Dan, I wrote in the lead up to that preseason game, like Mac Wilson's probably gonna start September twelfth against the Kansas City Chiefs because Mac Wilson has been a standout in training camp as a number one weak side linebacker. And you know, they had thirteen full squad practices in the books. Heading into that preseason opener, and and Mac Wilson really had some wow moments in training camp. He had an interception in the front of the end zone uh, while covering David Njoku during a red zone uh, team period. Baker Mayfield uh, threw the pass, Mac Wilson with probably you know one I- one of if not the nicest defensive play in training camp. So he really has stood out. And then Jok has been behind. Uh, He missed the first five practices of training camp because he ended up on the COVID-19 list with the virus to begin uh, camp. And, you know, he did the virtual walkthroughs and virtual meetings. And he came back and talked to the media last week and said, like, hey, even though I thought I was up to speed through those virtual learning opportunities, once I got back on the field, I realized I really was behind. So I expect to play a lot in this preseason opener and catch up. So again, heading into the opener, because of Mac Wilson's standout camp and JOK being behind and admitting so, you know, my analysis was like, hey, you know, this all could change with one injury. You know, it's not impossible. JOK could still, you know, make it to the starting lineup by week one, but it's a steep hill to climb. Well, then he gets in the game. Mac Wilson only played four snaps, suffered a uh, a sprained. Uh, ac joint shoulder injury he's day-to-day now but yeah with him only playing the four snaps malcolm smith comes in relief of mac wilson and then jok's in there uh by the second quarter and he just lights it up splash plays you saw him with eight tackles um one of those was a sack two of the other tackles were for loss he nearly blocked a punt covered a receiver on third and six and tackled him for no gain out toward the boundary uh, showing that that quickness and the coverage ability, I mean, just he took over, and so much so that Mac Wilson uh, tweeted after the game JOK with fire emojis, giving him props. I mean, <laughs> shows you what kind of guy Mac Wilson is. By the way, trying to hang on to the starting job, having a great camp, bangs his shoulder up, and he's still the class act that he is to to give JOK props for absolutely stealing the show in the preseason opener. Um, so all this. Leads me to say that, like, I tried to reset the expectations for JOK leading up to that preseason game and immediately knew and admitted and wrote and told George Thomas on our podcast afterward, like, I need to reset these expectations again because that steep hill to climb, JOK climbed it in the preseason opener. And, yeah, you don't want to carve a bust and send a guy to Canton based on playing a, a, you know, preseason game. But, man, he looked as good as he can. He looked as good as you could for an NFL preseason debut. And so I do think, you know, Mac Wilson day to day, you know, I think it opens the door just, to, you know, for the coaching staff to say, well, JOK, you earned it. And Mac Wilson, by the way, is, is, you know, coming back from a shoulder. We want to be smart with him and with all our injured guys. So I just think that there's some opportunities for JOK to get some first team reps. And he hasn't really had that yet in camp but I think that they could be coming I think they could be coming in these joint practices against the giants which are are a big deal for the coaching staff they're really hoping to get a lot of good work in and a lot of good evaluation in these joint practices uh Thursday and Friday in Berea so that's where I kind of think it is I think the Arrows way up on JOK and he has narrowed the gap and played catch up really at an accelerated rate that I I did not anticipate based on what he was saying and how he felt going into that game. Then the game starts, he just lit it up.
1: He he did, and it, it was very exciting to see. Cause so I got to tell you, when he first came on the field, I I fell prey to the oh gosh, he looks small like a safety type of thing, and then to the to play the way he did. Um, was impressive, so I am I am all in on wanting more JOK, and I, I hope he continues to to progress like he like he has so far leading up to the game. Um, but Nate, speaking of injuries, we we did just talk about a couple of, that have popped up for the Browns. Um, Stephen Carlson, the tight end, landed on IR. He's done for the year. A uh, real unfortunate injury for him. I don't want to freak out too much because he's like the number four tight end, but the the Browns play tight ends a lot. Um, I know a lot of Steven Carlson's snaps last year came on special teams, but is is Steven Carlson a guy the Browns are gonna be looking to replace? Do they have a replacement on the roster? Do you think that's somewhere where they could uh look in free agency you know cut downs that kind of thing is am I making too much out of Stephen Carlson being hurt
0: Well, I think you might be a little bit dangerous because you know stephen Carlson I think he was a, he's very well liked in the building and and by his teammates, and they really respect um you know, the kind of uh, worker he is. In terms of tight end, I don't think that it's like a devastating blow because, you know, he played 90 snaps last year. That's 8, you know, 8.46% of the offensive snaps. So you obviously can find those snaps for somebody else, and I don't think it's a, a huge deal. Now, you know, if Austin Hooper, David Njoku, Harrison Bryant, you know, aren't healthy, you know, then you can start wondering more. Um, but Carlson's main contri- contribution was special teams. He played 79% of the special team snaps. And that, you know, I'm sure is a, is, it's, you know, a significant thing for Mike Prefer more th- more so than anybody else. Um, because, you know, that's a, that's a guy right there with that many snaps on special teams. That's a special teams leader. He recovered. A few um, onside kicks last year um, and that they obviously needed to recover to seal some games. So that's really, really I think, they, they need to be looking. And obviously, they've got two more preseason games, these joint practices, coming up with the Giants to see who's going to step up special teams-wise. And in the tight end room, they've got a couple other guys. Connor Davis, he's huge. 6'8", 271. Uh, you know, a first-year guy. uh you know, out of Stony Brook. But the guy who I think they like more at the end of the the depth chart there is Jordan Franks. Uh, He wears number 87. Uh, So some people say, is that Seth the valve? No, he's long gone. This is Jordan Franks, and he can really catch the ball. He's made a lot of nice plays uh, in training camp. So, you know, maybe there's an opportunity for Jordan Franks. Maybe they only keep three tight ends. Uh, Maybe Johnny Stanton, who's like a fullback slash – former quarterback, um, running back, less of a hammer nail than Andy Janovich. Maybe maybe there's some role there for Johnny Stanton, um, you know, special teams slash, you know, tight end slash fullback. So I would say that Johnny Stanton's a guy who Kevin Stefanski knows well. He was on the Minnesota Vikings practice squad and Stefanski was there. I think that's somebody you shouldn't sleep on is having a kind of a um, you know, an opportunity as a result of Carlson suffering that season A knee surgery and needing surgery, as Kevin Stefanski
1: said today. Mm-hmm. And look, if Johnny Stanton makes the Cleveland Browns' final roster, Kevin Stefanski is not afraid to go trick play. I want to see at least one Johnny Stanton regular season pass. Maybe to Baker Mayfield, who knows? But if Johnny Stanton is the guy that takes this coveted, you know, roster spot that I'm, I'm obsessed over now, because Stephen Carlson hurt. Um, I want a Johnny Stanton pass play in the playbook, basically.
0: Well, I got to say, and I, I just, that's all well and good, but I got to say that you're kind of infringing on our, uh, our friend Marla right territory for some reason. She latched on to Stephen Carlson and just, she just loves stiff arm Steve. I, I think yeah, after, he, really, he made that play. <laughs> yeah. And she just thought that there was a lot to like about him. So it's kind of like her Porter Gustin, if you will.
1: <laughs> you mean Porter Gustin, who uh, had a, a nice play at one point versus the Jaguars, and, our, and I screeched and joy, and my 11-year-old nephew asked what was wrong. Yes. That Porter Gustin?
0: Yeah, that Porter Gustin with the sack. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Porter Gustin is another guy. I mean, with Tack McKinley gone from the team for a couple of weeks now, mm-hmm. boy, it'd be really nice, uh, you know, if, for the Browns if one of those other defensive ends steps up and shows them that they got somebody viable behind Garrett and Clowney, you know. So I think Porter Gustin playing well in that preseason game and a limited amount of snaps, which tells you that they po- probably plan on having him on the roster. Right. Because, you know, they sure. didn't play him much. Um, and, you know, of course there are some guys who played a lot who are going to be on the roster like JOK, like they played the rookies a lot, but Porter Gustin, uh, definitely has an opportunity, um, uh, to, I guess, have your nephew questioning you more in the future.
1: Well, that's going <laughs> to happen regardless of well, what yeah. Porter Gustin does on on the football field, but uh, and I, I have not yet bought a Porter Gustin Browns jersey. I just want everybody to know that. Um, but we'll see. Let's see. What else here, Nate, before I really take us off the rails here? We're recording this on uh, Tuesday afternoon. So, you know, it, it's still earlier in the week. Like you said, the Browns are, are practicing with the Giants later this week. And the the Giants are coming to Cleveland, so... I know we didn't really I didn't tell you we were going to talk about this, but I do wanna get your take on on this idea of of these joint practices. What importance are they going to hold? Um, is it is it a big deal? Like I, I kind of think it is. Is it just more practice? What what's your take on these joint practices? Because they it's been a little while since the Browns have done these, right?
0: Um, yeah, they did. Well, they didn't do did them last year because of the pandemic. Stefanski had them right. scheduled with Green Bay. The Browns were going to go to Wisconsin, and then that got all wiped out. Um, they did them in Freddie's uh, one year as coach. In 2019, I was out there, Westfield, Indiana, the Colts complex, and it was a disaster. It was really foreshadowing. You know, There was fighting, <laughs> and it was totally undisciplined. It went off the That's rails. That's right. And yeah, it, I remember well, it did. It foreshadowed like that crazy 14 penalty opener against the Titans. It just spilled over into the season, the just the kind of chaos that we saw in those joint practices. So um I think they're a really big deal for this coaching staff because like this is the way I look at it. The preseason for the Browns and for a lot of other teams is going to look different than it ever has before because it is different than it ever has before. Two main things, right? There was no preseason last year because of the pandemic. So, you know, the Browns got their work done in other ways, and they're going to view playing in the preseason differently after they didn't play any preseason games. That's just natural, okay? So that's the one thing. And then two, obviously, the the preseason – is different because there's only three preseason games this year because everybody's getting ready to play the first 17 game uh, regular season in NFL history. So we have the three preseason games instead of four, and we have 17 regular season games coming up instead of 16. And then the Browns are banking on playing more than 17 real games because they're looking at making another playoff run and playing a few more games if they have it their way. So, this is very much more than ever a marathon, not a sprint. And that's why Stefanski rested the majority of his starters in the preseason opener and why I think there's a good chance that we don't see um, uh, most of the starters at all in any of the three preseason games. I think there's a good chance of that. And I think that they really want to get good work for the starters in these joint practices because, like, for instance, when you play your starters, like there's no guarantee... That you're going to get them in a two-minute situation, or you're going to get them in goal line, or the specific short yardage reps that you want, and you want to run this, you know, X amount of plays uh, in short yardage package, and you know, you just you have to have those situations present themselves in the game. Sometimes they don't, and therefore you don't get that live work in. Whereas in the joint practice, the, I think the real appeal to the coaching staff is they can set up those. Simulated scenarios, and so I think that's what we're going to see against the Giants. I think they're going to see a lot of. um, It's not going to be so much scrimmaging as it is going to be a lot of situational football. So they'll do a lot of red zone, goal line, short yardage, two minute those those scenarios and situations that you want your guys to get some work on, but you don't have a guarantee that if you put them in the preseason game, they're going to get that work. So I think that's what we're going to see, and. I mean, as a result of that, I mean, the starters are going to be doing a lot of that work Thursday and Friday. They're not going to play many of the starters, um, you know, Sunday in that game at 1 o'clock at First Energy Stadium. Like, it's going to be a majority of the starters sitting out again. And then so that takes you to the preseason finale in Atlanta uh, is the the really the, the only time that I think you could see um, – you know, the the real, you know, starting lineups, but I still have doubt that you will. So that's kind of how I'm looking at it. I really think that these joint practices are, are really um, valued by the coaching staff uh, and that the preseason games uh, and the idea of getting the starters in there is, is maybe something of the past, at least uh, for some teams. And I'm, I'm guessing that's going to be the way Kevin Stefanski goes.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're right, um, but I, I I think the practices are going to be fascinating and, and what you can kind of get out of them and, and you know, see with your own two eyes and report on. And of course, Nate will have coverage of that over on our site, beacongeneral.com slash sports slash brands. I think it's going to be a really fun week of, of Browns coverage just because of that. But uh, speaking of the preseason game, then, Nate, if – if we're not going to see the starters much, and I, like I said, I think you're right, does that mean we're going to see a, a lot more Davion Davis? Because i got to tell you, he is really catching my eye, and I, I think some other, some other fans are really taking a liking to him. I, I know it's a, a tough position group to crack for him. We talked last week about Donovan Peoples-Jones a lot, and then all the other guys, Higgins. Beckham, Landry, Anthony Schwartz is in the mix. Uh, JoJo Natson's on the bubble, probably. And then you have this guy who's just, he he really looked good, I thought, against the Jaguars. Or are we going to continue to see more Davion Davis? Is he, uh, is he a practice squad stash kind of player? What's what's the deal with this guy? I, I want to know everything about Davion Davis, basically. And well, when we're going to see him more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you should see more of them. What a catch. That was a catch of the night. First-year yes. player out of Sam Houston State. Uh, before he joined the Browns, he played for the Blues of the Spring League in uh, spring 2021. Uh, he was signed by the Vikings as an undrafted free agent in 2019. Hello, Kevin Stefanski connection. He appeared in two games. Um, he's from Hutto, Texas, and he participated in the Browns' mandatory mini-camp in june as a tryout player they signed him um july 31st so you know (laughs) like training camp was already underway so that's a a tip of the cap the pro personnel department also kevin stefanski i'm sure um a guy he had familiarity with and liked for a reason so here you're seeing uh, a a nice pickup um a nice uh, you know, show of uh, brain power by by the really smart guys mm-hmm. who run the Browns to bring this guy and give him a shot, and obviously showing up and a guy you certainly would want to develop if you can get him to your practice squad. So, yeah, um, it's funny. There are some guys in training camp with all the talent and all the big names on this roster who we haven't talked about. Davion Davis is one. And I'll give you another one, Dan. And Ooh. and this guy, this guy is a fifty-three man roster candidate and he really has worked his way into the conversation sheldon day like as much as we talk about the the royal rumble uh you know (laughs) defensive tackle like Uh like all the bodies who are in there behind andrew billings and malik jackson the projected starters like sheldon day was down the list because of course i'm going to talk first about Jordan Elliott, a third round pick last year. Tommy Togia, a rookie, fourth round pick this year out of Ohio State. Like, and, and then there are really interesting guys like Malik McDowell, a former second round pick who got into trouble repeatedly, never played in the NFL. They took a flyer on him thinking he turned his life mm-hmm. around. Like, there's a lot going on in the defensive line room. And like Sheldon Day was not close to, you know, the most interesting guy, not close to a guy they made the most investment in. But look what he did did the other night he's a guy like porter gus that used him similarly like they didn't play him a lot but he started and he was in there uh next to uh andrew billings who who opted out for out of uh 2020 season for covid concerns with his asthma last season and and so they got even though he's a projected sorry they got him his work malik jackson was off sheldon day's in there and what does he do on the on the Jag's first snap, he, he sacks number one overall pick Trevor Lawrence, and and Sheldon Day has been getting a lot of um, time, you know, in training camp practices, right behind the starters, and then even like in some short yardage and goal line packages, I've seen him put five D linemen on the field, and Sheldon Day's been in there, he's been one of the five, like with the ones in some of these scenarios, and I'm thinking like, wow, that's a guy who's been under the radar, who is making some noise for himself here. Then he gets in the game and makes a splash play. So, yeah, uh, Davion Davis, um you know, just the numbers at at receiver, I can't see him making the 53. Somebody loved to develop on the practice squad, but Sheldon Day, a guy who's just totally flown under the radar, who needs to be talked about more.
1: I love it. I I love I love talking about players Forty nine through fifty-three on the roster, just as much as one through five, basically. And you know, Sheldon Day was a good player at Notre Dame. He he really fell in the draft and he's kind of bounced around from team to team. But you're 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 putting him on the fifty three at this point then, eh? Wow. Um, I, I think that's what you said at, at the top there.
0: I think I said he was a candidate. Let,
1: let me just put okay, it this way. Okay,
0: okay. Let me just put it this way. I am like... I think right now I'm penciling him in. um, And I did not anticipate even penciling him in at any point in this training camp. Like, I, I thought he was on the outside looking in and that these younger guys who, you know, have been mid-round picks for him were definitely going to beat him out and I'm wondering if they keep five defensive tackles and if if he's the fifth one um I got to yeah. go through the whole thing um sure. before I say yeah, I'm going to bet Swenson's on this uh <laughs> like we tend to do sometimes, but right now Based on the depth chart and then how he showed up in the preseason game, I I'm penciling him in right now.
1: Does that say anything negative about where Jordan Elliott is at, where Tommy Togia is at? Um Malik McDowell kinda seems like on the outside looking in. I know he's yeah. a big name and a, a giant human, but Yeah,
0: he's just, he's hurt. Yeah, and which that yeah. that's been a factor he's been hurt he's been de- dealing with injuries and then at the orange and browns practice on i think it was august 8th he left with a rib injury um the other guys no i mean Togi has a rookie right i mean obviously fourth mm-hmm. round rookie um you know i think he's show, shown up in training camp for sure including the orange and brown practice made some plays um jordan elliott's interesting to me this is this is why he's he's interesting He played every game last season in the COVID year, meaning he had no spring practices. He didn't have any of that in-person instruction. The rookies typically get, he didn't have any preseason games. And he comes in and plays every single game, including two in the playoffs. I mean, that's for a third-round pick to to be in every single game for a playoff team. That means he was doing something right. So I I consider that a really nice rookie season for a third-round pick. Um, I think that says a lot about him. You know, durability, obviously, but also just the trust he had in the coaching staff to put him in there week in, week out. And you got to remember, I mean, they had Larry Ogilvie, they had Sheldon Richardson. You know, I mean, it's not like they didn't have anybody defensive tackle, but they liked him enough to keep him in there in that rotation, uh, you know, all 18. So the weird thing about him is he got on this running routine, running regimen is the way he describes it, you know. Um, uh, because he wanted to be able to chase down plays um, better this year in his second year. and he lost weight and he got down to two eighty five. Well, the coaching staff wants him to weigh between two ninety seven and three hundred. So he says that he's gonna gain weight during training camp, which I asked him, like how hard is that? Like think about the amount of calories these guys have to burn per day in training camp. Like training camp is not an ideal time I would to like put on weight. like that's hard mm-hmm. to do. Right, I mean, mm-hmm. just the amount of the calories, the sweating. I mean, it. Some of these linemen lose like, you know, significant amount of water after a practice. They're going to weigh in quite a bit differently than before. It's like, wow, this is interesting that he's going to think that he's going to be able to put on this weight in camp. I've never, I don't think I remember covering a guy that I know of who lost too much weight and then was told to put weight back on like this. This is kind of a weird situation at least for me uh, outside looking in just talking to him and talking to defensive line coach chris kiffin about it, or listening to what he had to say about it so i don't know the the whole weight loss want to put it back on thing is just weird to me um but i do think they like him and you know coming off last year and what he did and how i went through that whole thing um you know i think that's really encouraging but the the I don't know. I'm just weirded out by now he's got to get bigger because <laughs> he was big and then he, now he isn't big enough. And it's just a weird dynamic there. Um, yeah. And meanwhile, Sheldon Day just, you know, he's worked his way up.
1: Yeah, that that is fascinating. Just just from the standpoint that you, you explained on how tough it is to gain weight for an NFL player. I mean, if if Jordan Elliott really needs to gain some weight, he can just hang out with me for a few days. But um, it's just fascinating from the standpoint of like, okay, so he's down to like 280 or 285 now. That's kind of the size that Sheldon Day is, isn't it? You know, so like, did did the Browns say, okay, we have a role for this type of, of player, this type of size, this, you know, deeper down the roster defensive line depth where you can play inside and outside, you know? So I I wonder if that was part of his mindset too, in addition to like chasing down players better, if it was like, okay, well, if I, if I drop some weight, maybe I'll start seeing more snaps on the outside too, you know, and now that's kind of not going to happen for him, you know? So he has to, eat some so himself, I guess. But that that's fascinating. I like you said I, I've i never heard of that myself either, where a guy is told, hey, you need to bulk up um in yeah, a training I mean, camp.
0: The only guy I can think of is like Barkibus Mingo when the Browns drafted him as sure. a outside yeah. linebacker, but he was he came in skinny, right? And like the weight was always a question with him. Like is he ever going to be big enough for that position? and like but for a guy to lose weight and then be told you need to put it back on like I've never encountered that one I mean maybe it's happened I just was never aware of it right and I mean I've certainly seen and heard from coaches the other end of it where they think a guy's not in shape and want him to lose weight oh, and they sure. publicly call him out now, Pat Sherman mm-hmm. Marcus Bernard I'll never forget that um that was the first time where Pat Shermer kind of let his fire show, which he has a lot of fire and most fans had no idea. Um, but that was just a a little window into it. Um, but yeah, and and all the like dozen years I've done this, I don't remember this exact scenario, at least publicly, with a guy saying like, I lost too much weight and the coach saying, yeah, he, he needs to put on like 12 to 15 more pounds.
1: Yeah, that's wild. Um, that, that's really neat, though. See, I, I had no idea that was the thing. I don't think most Browns fan news knew that either. So for those of you who have listened uh, this deep into the podcast, there you go. There's a nice little nice little nugget for you. But, Nate, any anything else this week before we head out? I mean, we touched on the players I care about, Davion Davis, Porter Gustin, um, Stephen Carlson. We we touched on my guys. Is there anything else you want to you want to hit before we, we check out?
0: Uh, I, you know, I don't think so. I mean, there were a lot of guys I talked to George right after that preseason game who stood out. And, you know, yep. I thought to Greg Newsom. you know, obviously he gave up the big um, 35 yard completion of Marvin Jones, but that's an accomplished receiver. And I thought he played well um, in a lot of spots in that game, too. And, you know, Richard LeCount should have had two interceptions. I mean, it would have been a really nice sideline grab, uh, but he did have the one. I thought he really flashed. So I thought that there were a lot of encouraging things. But obviously, J.O.K. stood above the rest and just absolutely, you know, was the highlight reel. Um, and just the way he closed the gap, I couldn't, and, you know, the the way he made up for lost time. I could be more pressed And and the thing that's really fascinating, Newsom said it better than anyone after the game. It's like he's still not all the way caught up. Like like we said earlier, both things can be true. Like he could r- really assert himself as, as a, a, a true factor in the you know starting lineup competition and also be behind. And Newsom's like, hey, like he's behind still. So like, imagine what happens when he gets caught up. How's he going to look? So that's a really exciting thing. And I think that's a good place to leave it because, you know, I think Browns fans are going to get to see – you know, a lot more stories and hear a lot more things about this guy coming up, you know, with the Giants having the two joint practices and then the game, you know, JOK and the rookies, you know, this is their time to shine. And, you know, he certainly took advantage of it. So I think you'll see more of it in the coming days.
1: Yeah. So stay tuned for that. Like I said, we're going to have a lot of coverage of that over at beaconjournal.com slash sports slash Browns. I think it's going to be a fun week leading up to Sunday's game. We'll see if there's any fights. I don't, I don't know. Maybe there won't be. I, I'll be surprised if there isn't. But yeah, the
0: Browns is. still haven't had one, Dan. But when these yeah. teams to get together, and then you know, we mentioned Freddie earlier. He will be on the sidelines in Berea again. Oh yeah, that's and in yeah.
1: Cleveland. <laughs> ooh, double ooh for multiple yeah. days. Yeah. Um.
0: So he he will be there, and you know, it that's where things. I, I think the players, I'm just going to say, and I've talked to enough players about this, players hate these joint practices because all too Mm. often they do just get get into fights and then it just ruins everything. Mm. So I'm hoping the Browns are able to rise above that. The fact that they haven't fought each other is encouraging. The thing that's discouraging is the Giants fought each other and the quarterback was at the bottom of a pile and they were brawling. So (laughs) I really wonder how this is going to turn out.
1: Well, hey – I don't want to put you in a tough spot by asking you this question, but if I were to pick a Browns player who I thought could get into a fight this week, I've actually been thinking about this all week. Like who on the Browns would, would pick a fight in a practice. And I, sorry that we're, we're keeping everybody going here, but um, I don't know. For some reason, John Johnson sticks out to me because like, a couple of reasons. He's, he's fairly vocal, right? And he's the new guy. And so, what what a better way to impress his teammates than I don't know, say, knocking out Saquon Barkley, you know? So, if if I were to pick one Browns player that that could start a fight, I, without any basis in reality whatsoever, I can assure you, I'm going with John Johnson. So we'll see. And if if I were to pick a Browns player that I would want by my side in a fight, man, give me give me Andrew Billings. That guy is is a rock. Well, that's where I'll leave everybody at this week. (laughs) Yeah, he is.
0: He is powerlifting champion in in high school in Texas and uh, breaking Mark Henry records. If I uh, that's right, I can recall. So yeah. Yeah. um, There are some. Yeah. I mean, this is the NFL and the Browns have a really good team and there are some absolutely, you know, uh, freak athletes and, you know, physical specimens and Andrew Billings, as Chris Kiffin said, the strongest guy he's ever seen. And he said that is not an exaggeration at all. And this guy is just ridiculously strong and huge and I mean, it, it's and it's amazing looking at him on the field, Dan, because he's not he's like six one, but he is like mm-hmm. as wide as a, <laughs> a vending machine. Like his shoulders, it's just everything about him. He
1: is a tank. Yeah. So in a fight, Andrew Billings could use me as a human baseball bat against whomever we're taking on. And so
0: he's such a nice guy too, but yeah, I mean, just mm. physically, I mean, <laughs> I mean this guy. I mean, he, I don't know. Really, I don't think this is exaggeration. Like, he could be like an Olympic weightlifter. Like, it's, it's really that's
1: crazy. Amazing. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's really cool. I I enjoy watching him play. Um. So, that that's a position that I often goes unlooked. I think by most fans, and it, it the the moment they get pushed back, everybody kind of knows it. And it's kind of like playing tackle. You're great until you give up a sack, and everybody talks about the one sack you gave up, and not the. However many successful past protections you had, but anyway, I'll, I'll stop rambling now. That that does it for the podcast. Again, a lot of coverage coming up over the next few days, leading up to the Giants game on Sunday, First Energy Stadium, one o'clock. We'll have full coverage of that too, so look out for that later in the week. But thank you everybody for listening, and we will talk to you all next time.